A major magazine recently addressed an entire issue to the future of work. And the writers were not optimistic as they probed the causes of the great resignation in which 25 million people left their jobs in the last half of 2021. One essay was called The Age of Anti-Ambition. Here's a quote from it. The author says, almost no one I know likes work very much at the moment. The primary emotion is the determination just to endure. It's as if our whole society is burned out. The pandemic may have alerted new swaths of people to their distaste for their jobs or exhausted them past the point where there's anything to enjoy about jobs they used to like. Perhaps that's why the press is filled with stories about widespread employee dissatisfaction. Last summer, my son and son-in-law and I ate dinner one night at a backcountry campsite in Glacier National Park, and about a dozen young hikers arrived after dark, and uh, we kind of sat around listening to them as you do in campsites. They were delightful and funny and full of adventure, and two things were clear. Uh, one, they all hated their jobs down in Whitefish and Bozeman, but they loved the mountains. Uh, and so they worked when they had to so they could have enough money to go on adventures in the wilderness. And they had a very unique view of, of work, uh, kind of a means to an end or maybe even a prison to escape from. They found no virtue in work itself, no intrinsic meaning or purpose in their work. Well, not all work is paid, of course, and non-paid work has come on hard times as well. Robert Putnam, in his book Bowling Alone, showed that Americans are increasingly saying no when asked to serve on a committee, participate in a faith community, or join a service organization. Volunteering is way down while screen watching is way up. The Bible asks us to think about work in a different way, whether paid or non-paid. And we tried to summarize a biblical view of work in our value statement. We affirm that work is a primary way we glorify God on earth. We affirm that work was given to human beings before the fall and is therefore part of God's plan for humanity. Work is our daily activity. It is our talent and purpose in action. We affirm the role of the body in discerning vocation. We affirm the importance of public discipleship, equipping our members to live out their calling in the workplace and in the city. Our search for a biblical theology of work begins with the first chapter of the Bible, particularly Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, let, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing on earth. So God created people in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it 
and have dominion over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in the first 25 verses of Genesis, God works, creating the heavens and the earth over the course of the first five days. And on the sixth day, God works in creating the first human beings. And our text says that God makes people in his own image, that we are like God somehow. And that could mean many things, of course, but it must mean at least this. God is a worker. And so if we are created in his image, we are created to work as well. God creates, builds, sustains, develops, nurtures, cultivates, brings order from chaos. We are made in God's image. And so that means we are made to work, to create, to build, to sustain, to develop, to nurture, to cultivate, to bring order from chaos. Now, God describes the work that we're to do in the next verse. We are to have dominion over all of God's creation on God's behalf. To have dominion over something is to have responsibility for it. God has given us the responsibility to care for and cultivate his creation. Well, but towards what end? Well, the biblical vision for what God desires life on earth to be is captured in the Hebrew word shalom. In Genesis 1 to 2 describes a word, a world enjoying shalom. Genesis 3 describes sin uh, coming in and destroying shalom. The rest of the Bible describes God's project of restoring shalom to earth. Uh, a theologian, uh, Cornelius Plantiga, defines shalom like this. The webbing together of God, humans and all creation in justice, fulfillment and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. So this is where we start building our theology of work. God created us to create. God made us to make. God works and invites us to join him in his work. And the purpose of work is to restore shalom, to bring order out of chaos, to help people and the earth flourish. We learn a bit more about God's vision for our work in Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And soon after this, God allows Adam to name uh, all of the animals. And God could have done that himself, of course, but he makes room for Adam's own creativity. He gives the first human beings freedom to cultivate and to explore, just like he gives us. And notice that all of this happens before sin enters the story. Work is not the result of the curse. Work is intrinsic to being human. Work is one of the reasons why we are here. These verses are so foundational, so important that uh, over the years I've just had a little hobby of uh, clipping out uh, quotes that wise interpreters have uh, have offered on what these passages mean for our work life. Let me just share a few of them with you. This is from Cornelius Plantiga. 
God gives human beings authority in the created world, what we might call responsible dominion. Here is the first big work project. God the king assigns sub-kingdoms in which, under God, we human beings have our say. This next one's from Andy Crouch. God's first and best gift to humanity is culture, the realm in which human beings themselves will be the cultivators and creators, ultimately contributing to the cosmic purposes of the cultivator and creator of the natural world. This next one is from an Old Testament scholar, Terence Freedom. From God's perspective, the world needs work. Development and change are what God intends for it. And God enlists human beings and other creatures to that end. From another angle, God did not exhaust divine creativity in the first week of the world. God continues to create and uses creatures in a vocation that involves the becoming of creation. This next one is from the theologian Richard Mao. God's charge to our first parents is to transform untamed nature into a social environment by cultural formation that fits God's design. This next one is from Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann. The image of God and the human person is a mandate of power and responsibility. But it is power exercised as God exercises power. The task of dominion does not have to do with exploitation and abuse. It has to do with the securing of the well-being of every other creature and bringing the promise of each to fruition. A Christian understanding of dominion must be discerned in the way of Jesus of Nazareth. The one who rules is the one who serves. The next uh, quote is from Thomas Merton, the great spiritual writer. All vocations are intended by God to manifest his love in the world. For each special calling gives a man some particular place in the mystery of Christ, gives him something to do for the salvation of mankind. The difference between the various vocations lies in the different ways in which each one enables men to discover God's love, appreciate it, respond to it, and share it with other men. Each vocation has for its aim the propagation of divine life in the world. And then one last one from the writer and scholar Amy Sherman. Churches often teach people about financial stewardship Seeing the resources they possess as belonging to God and thus accountable to him for their disposal, churches need to do, however, better at teaching their members about vocational stewardship. Seeing their jobs also as God's provision and deploying their talents through their work in ways that express love of neighbor. By vocational stewardship, I mean the intentional and strategic use of one's vocational power, skills, knowledge, network, position, platform, to advance human flourishing.
Well, we say at All Souls that we value work. Um, what should happen in a congregation that values work as a primary way to serve God? Well, first, we should define work broadly. We work in different ways, in different seasons of our lives. Sometimes we're paid, sometimes we're not. A high school student's work might be studying and creating shalom in his corner of the sophomore class. An elderly person in a nursing home's work might be praying for peace on her floor. A homemaker's work might be creating order out of the chaos of family life and helping the members of the family flourish in God. An entrepreneur's work might be harnessing new technology to solve a human problem while creating good jobs. So we need to think broadly about just what work is. Secondly, we should avoid an unbiblical dualism in how we think and talk about our work. Dualism is a way of seeing the world that divides life into a higher spiritual plane and a lower worldly plane. Plato and Aristotle introduced this vision, writing that the ideal life is one devoted to contemplation and philosophy. And if you can't do that, then you work. Dualism actually crept into the church by the second century. Christians were divided into two classes. A higher class consisting of priests, monks, and nuns gave their life to spiritual work. A lower class who could not cut that kind of work, worked to support them. Dualistic thinking about work is still common in the church. We, we talk about full-time and part-time ministry. Uh, we celebrate when someone leaves their job as a banker because they receive, quote, a call to the ministry, but we are suspicious when a minister receives a call to become a banker. There's just no hierarchy in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, there's not a higher and a lower. It's a much more holistic vision of life and work. I shared with you a few weeks ago the story of this young man, Justin Shelter, who left a tech startup to find uh, meaning and purpose and ultimately God. And he ends up in India and he meets and hears about these holy men who can show him the way to God. And so he finds his way to a remote valley in the Himalayas and uh, spends several weeks in a cave with a holy man. And he posts on Instagram about how this holy man can see into his soul and, and knows God best because he's left the world and lives in a cave. And, and I was thinking about that. And I thought, well, in our faith, in our tradition, uh, who, who, is a, who is a Christian holy man or a Christian holy woman? Well, a holy man could be a banker serving clients well and coaching a basketball league. A holy woman or a holy man could be a, a homemaker breaking up a fight and making a sandwich. A holy man could be a grandmother praying for a neighbor, a student faithfully preparing for a college exam. You see the difference? That's, Christianity is not a dualistic religion. There's not a higher class of people who really know God because they don't work. 
we actually meet God in the messiness of life and work becomes an altar upon which we worship and serve God. Well, we're asking what should happen in a church that values work? Well, third, we should help one another discern our vocational callings. You know, all work is not good work. Some work that might be good work won't be good work for me. Uh, It's difficult to figure out our work that is right for us. It's hard when you begin life to figure out or begin your adult life to figure out what work you should be doing. It can be difficult in the middle of life to figure out if you are doing the right work and if you need to change. It can be hard towards the end of life to transition from one form of work to another. How how do you know these things? How do you know what you're made to do? How do you know when it's time to leave or as what the Quakers say, uh, when way is closing? How do you tell the difference between fatigue and burnout and a genuine leading to move on from our current work to new work? Well, well, this is where spiritual friendship is so important. And by spiritual friendship, I mean a committed long-term relationship with someone who knows you well, who loves you, who's earned the right to speak into your soul. And you can have honest conversations about what you're good at, what you're passionate about, where your energy is, uh, where you think things are going, and can speak to you about where you're headed. And then finally, we need to support one another in our work. Work is not part of the curse, but sin is cursed work. Work is hard. That's why they call it work. It is hard to seek shalom in your high school. It's hard to promote flourishing on the floor of your nursing home. It's hard to cultivate and nurture a family. It's hard to worry about a payroll. Work is hard. And so we don't need to encourage one another to escape it. But rather, we need to encourage one another in it. Studs Terkel wrote a book a generation ago called Working. And he interviewed dozens of people about how they felt about their jobs. And I'll never forget this quote. He observed, work is about a search for daily meaning as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash, for astonishment rather than Torpor, in short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying. <laughs> so we need help to see work as a way of worshiping God, to support us in the challenges of work. And one way that we can do that as a church is just by getting together and talking about our faith and our work. Uh, and we're going to do that next week after church. Uh, Sunday evening and uh, if you're interested in that Elena Patton is going to just kind of host a little conversation we'll see where it goes about faith and work and anything you want to talk about there if you're interested there'll be some pizza just email me at Doug at allsoulsknoxville.com and sign up for it and we'll do good work